Hello, I'm Pete Raby, CEO of the X4 Group, and you are listening to the Leadership Learns podcast. I'm a big believer, like many of you, that good leadership takes a hunger to learn and reflect. And when we open up about our own experiences, we give others permission to do the same. The Leadership Learns podcast brings you inspiring stories from diverse global leaders from a range of different organizations and industries on how they innovate and improve to become the best possible leader. With me today is Karen Lelouch Torjman, MD and partner of Boston Consultancy Group. Karen is an expert in digital and data transformation, specializing in the automotive industry with experience in helping companies along their full digital transformation journey. She has over 17 years experience in the industry. Karen, thank you so much for being with me. How are you and how on earth have the last couple of years been for you? I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Um, well, everything has been great so far. Beginning of the year has been really busy. A lot of clients are interested in the digital customer experience topics that I'm pushing. So very, very interesting start of the year. Good. That's great to hear. Um, and yes, it's certainly been one of those hot topics that is, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of content shared on it in the, in the bit. And uh, before I forget, and I want to mention it, you, you, you do a fascinating TED Talks, Karen. I hope the listeners can, uh, that can uh, get, get on YouTube in relation to this topic. And I'd encourage everyone to uh, reach out to that and have a little listen through this fascinating area. But Karen, um, as I often ask, I think it's important. Would you mind maybe giving a bit of context as to how you got into what you're doing now? I have to say, you know, at BCG, we have the chance to always reinvent ourselves and do the topics we're passionate about. And, you know, after doing many different things and trying many different topics, I realized that there are really two things I'm really passionate about. One is understanding customers. So understanding how people think, how they're making choices, what drives satisfaction, what drives dissatisfaction. So I have this really as a big topic I love. And the other thing I was passionate about is the new technologies. So how new technologies, whether we're talking about AI, we're talking about VR, we're talking about AR, uh, all this is changing the game and changing both the behaviors of the customers, but also what is offered to them by companies. And then to what extent this kind of nurtures each other uh, and changes the the trajectory of the future. So this is really something I... I started to do as part of my project as BCG within BCG over the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And then progressively, I I really wanted to develop this knowledge more. So we created a new topic within BCG two years ago, which is called customer experience that I'm leading. And this is really the, the core of what I'm doing here. Customer experience, and it's been your kind of world over and, and, and learnings over the last couple of years. What have been your, you know, one, two, three biggest learns in relation to customer experience during that, you know, during all that work? Well, I have learned that customer experience is really broad as a topic, first, uh, that it covers several realities, right? It covers all the thing about, you know, again, consumers or customers' expectations. So I want to have a convenient experience. I want to have a personalized experience. So it covers a lot of the expectations that uh, customers may have, but it also covers the the question that companies have top of mind of how do I ensure that all my channels will be, uh, I can offer something that is going to be seamless across all my channels, that I'm going to capture the right data on the customers to be able to personalize the relationship so it has a lot of components, both the deep, again, deep understanding of the customers, but also making sure that you gather data, that you have in place the right digital platforms and the right uh, digital systems to make it work. So it's really this combination 
which I found uh, really the core of customer experience. What have you seen in the last couple of years that are there any kind of uh, misconceptions that businesses and leaders have when it comes to the customer experience piece? Are there, are there any questions that you feel are important for leaders to ask themselves in, in 2022 in relation to it as well? Yeah, so several things. I mean, first, I would say that the main challenge is that everyone, when they think about customer experience, they think about digital, which, by the way, I told, I told you about digital. So you may think, yes, that's exactly what you just did. But at the same time, I think that customer experience, and there's a lot of study about this, is also linked to the human experience that people are having. And I think that's the main challenge that companies have. You know, when they think about how can I deliver the best customer experience to my clients, there's always this combination of human digital channels, data gathering, collecting. I mean, the topic you just mentioned and using this data, all these things together. And the question is always about what's the right combination. Knowing that the combination may differ depending on the customer, him or herself, because some are very willing to not to talk to any humans, uh, but others really value that and want to have this human touch somehow in the experience they're having. So, so this question about finding the right balance is one of the big topics that we've seen. And now, you know, apart from this, when you think about 2022 and when we think about our, what our clients are interested in, it's also the new trendy topics, you know, like metaverse, of course, you know, what does that mean to be in the metaverse? Should we get there? Is it a new way to interact with your, with our customers? And then there is another piece, which is, by the way, the TED Talk that you mentioned about voice technologies. And we're seeing these technologies becoming more and more mature. So, you know, when companies think about the future and how they want to build customer experience, thinking also about how can voice change some of the interactions um, is is one important piece. Have you come across many customer assumptions that are, that, that are wrong, Karen? Have you uh, is there is there a lot of realigning that needs to be done in in your opinion in relation to this? Well, that's interesting. You're asking that because we launched very recently a survey. So interestingly, the results were not confirming exactly what I was hoping. <laughs> but that's the magic of doing survey. I mean, you need to understand the real voice of customers. That's why we're doing this. And um, what we found out is, especially in the younger generations, honestly, the you know um, older generations don't have this mindset, but the younger generations uh, and the majority of people in China, what we found out is that they didn't value anymore having to talk to a real person, to a human. I would say overall, uh, we were surprised to note that people value a lot the, to use digital channels rather than t- seeing or talking to a real person. It's one of the great debates, isn't it, in relation to the balance between the human touch and the digitalization. Are you further along with your your thinking, Karen, as to over the next kind of 10, 20 years, as technology is going to continue to advance at such a rapid rate of how that technology versus um, versus kind of human working patterns is going to emerge? Do you feel like you can see what that looks like already? I, I think it's it's a... It's a critical point because the truth is, if there is no way to find the right combination using human plus machine plus AI together, understanding that if we are using both in the right way, we can get to better results than if we use just one of them. I think if we don't crack this, it's going to be a disaster. So I think the effort should really be focused on making sure that we understand how you know AI can can be used by humans to be somehow better in their decision making. And when we don't need AI, because then humans are going to be able to take better decisions by themselves. 
uh, for the people listening in relation to, you know, there would definitely be some people and it was definitely us a few, <laughs> a few months ago going, right, are we doing this as well as we can do? And do we, do we have the things in place that we want? Are we happy with how that customer experience piece feels? Are there kind of guidelines? Are there questions? Are there kind of first steps, Karen, that you could encourage other business owners and other kind of, you know, other business leaders as to how they would get things started at least? Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting. So we we recently launched a, a new framework about customer experience. I wanted to t- tell you about this one because it resonates usually very well. So we called it MyDAS. MyDAS, as you probably know, is, the, is a king from the method, uh, mythology was able to turn things into gold, into gold, sorry. And the idea is basically how we can use this Midas touch to turn customer interactions into gold. So let me explain a bit what I mean by that. So it, it basically every, every letter of Midas means something. So M is measure. So it's really about measuring the customer experience. Understanding well your customers is the first thing you absolutely need to do. Because otherwise, you're going to make choices that you think are the right choices, but are not exactly what your customers are looking for. The second is I, is innovate. Innovate because, as I was saying, a lot of new technologies, a lot of things happening in the market. So if, not, if you're not looking forward at what is going to happen, you're going to create experiences that were good a few years ago, but then are never going to be good enough for the future. Then it's deliver, it's D for deliver. So delivering this is tough. And we're seeing this with many of our clients because, you know, it's it's easy to, to write on a paper, this is the amazing experience I want to offer to my clients, but actually delivering it in real life at scale across your stores, your branches, across your call center, it's actually very difficult. A is about activate. So it's activate the culture. There's a, B, a big piece around mindset. Uh, how to activate a customer-centric mindset in the company to make sure that people understand what customers want and take this into consideration when they make decisions. And finally, S is about synchronize. So that's synchronize is all about the systems, the data, the digital elements that we were mentioning. So making sure that the data flow well uh, throughout the organization and we're able to really synchronize all the interactions that we're having with the customers. So that's how we frame it. It's broad, again, but there are ways to do it, right? Again, if you start with understanding well the customers and being very, I would say, forward-looking on what you want to deliver, then you can do really great things. The main thing that people need to focus on is really convenience. I mean, when you ask customers, the main reason of choice of a company or the main pain point that they may have today is linked to convenience. So as long as you're able to offer something that brings convenience, you're going to be right. A, a, a great point. And I'm uh, furiously scribbling that there myself. And uh, there's a few questions that jump into my head. That, that, that's for sure in relation to, to what we're doing there. So yeah, that's great to share. Thank you, Karen. Um, and, and when it comes to the, the digital side of things, what do you think that those digital questions that business leaders should be asking themselves in 2022? So I think what they need to ask themselves is really what are the right priorities for them? Because again, a company who wants to work on customer experience can think about I want to improve my website. I want to launch a great mobile app or improve my, I want to launch a super app with other players. You know, the the big question that companies have today is how can I do all this at the same time? (laughs) Right. And the truth is it's not possible to do all of it at the same time. And I think just acknowledging it and understanding that it's important to make choices. 
you decide in the next six months to focus on one or two of these things, then you change the game and you can afterwards start working on the other pieces. I've seen too many companies trying to do everything at the same time. And usually it's a failure because, you know, people in the organization are lost, uh, fragmented in their work. It's very difficult for them to deliver on time. So, I mean, making choices is really the best advice I would give. I think that's some cracking advice, Karen. I really like that a lot. I'm, uh, yeah, for anyone watching the video, you can see how much my head was nodding during that bit. I'm like, what are the priorities here? And, uh, and let's deal with them first and do them well, and then we can add to it or whatever it needs to be. I think that's a, a great bit of advice. I'm sure there'll be others that have enjoyed that as well, Karen. Um, and I, and I mentioned- just want to add something. Oh, sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to add something on this point. And the, the reason why the prioritization is so critical is that when you talk to customers, you know, I, I always say you need to understand customers first, but at the same time, you need to choose what you take from customers. What I mean by that is if you listen to customers, they're going to give you a long list of pain points or things that do not work or things that they would like to work better. So you may end up with like a very long list of things to do. But the key question is maybe some of these pain points, people like complaining, but it doesn't change the fact that they are loyal with your company or it doesn't change the fact that they are still buying your product. So the question is really to understand what are the items that are changing the game, that are making you lose customers, lose some business, or that are, you know, in which if you invest right, then you're going you're gonna to change the, uh, the experience in the right way. Absolutely. Um, you've mentioned Metaverse um, yeah. a couple of times, Karen. I think um, it's been, wow. I mean, talk about a topic that's been discussed a lot in the last few weeks, especially. That's right. Um, are there any common misconceptions that you hear about when the when the topic is brought up or raised? Yes. I mean, that's a, that's a difficult topic as well, because Metaverse is the definition. There's no common definition yet in the world. And I think the main misconception is that there is already a clear definition that exists. And my perspective is that the concept is really something that everyone is very excited about, but there are some um, specificities of metaverse that are not clear yet, meaning that there are some range of options on how it could evolve in the next couple of years. And we don't know yet. Let me give you some examples, you know, like, are we really going to be able to switch from the gaming universe to something which is going to be open to many different types of use cases? Are we going to keep this decentralized spirit that is somehow the uh, the underlying idea of the metaverse? Or are we going to end up like we did for web 1.0 to web 2.0 in something that became platform-based and more concentrated in terms of players and, and interactions? So... Those are just examples of questions. And depending on where you you think that the metaverse is going to end up in this spectrum, you know, the reality of the metaverse and the opportunities may be very different. So my, my view is that today it's fine to say we don't know yet, but we understand the range, the spectrum, what is possible, and understand depending on this, what do we want to bet on today to be ready for tomorrow? So I think that's the approach I would I would recommend. Yeah, I like it absolutely. Um, we we all uh, there's been such a an absolute flurry over the last twelve months of investment. Yeah. It's been going into the sectors that we work in in life sciences, but also technology as well. An absolute, it's been brilliant to see so many exciting companies, so much adaption, and the reason we started the podcast off because we realised that there was just way too many 
inspiring mm-hmm. stories that we wanted to share and wanted to kind of talk through the the, the learns and that's the the whole basis of, of, of why I started this. But the thing that keeps coming up with every single conversation, and Karen, as a, as a, con, as a consulting firm, the, the, the size and reach that Boston have, I'm sure that there's, a, there's, 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 been a, there's been an awful lot of learns that have gone on. But the most common thing that comes up that leaders talk about is that hiring and talent shortage mm-hmm. is like the one of the biggest headaches. And I wonder... Um, I, I wonder if you've had any thoughts in recent years, and especially with the pandemic, really has a, allowed a lot more stepping back and thinking about things time. I know it's a little bit uh, away from what we've been talking about so far, but w- with the businesses that you work with, the, the ones that seem to be able to attract the right talent, what do you think the businesses do uh, can do best to make sure mm-hmm. that they get the right talent into their businesses? Well, that's a great question, and that's the toughest a uh, thing that our many companies have to address today, honestly, uh, you know, because we do a lot of digital transformation, e-commerce work, customer experience work. And, you know, whenever we define together the vision, the question is, you know, is the company able to implement it? And very often, you know, the question is they don't have the skills internally because of the reasons you're asking. It's very difficult, especially for very large traditional firms to attract these new, these new talents, these new skills. Because the younger generation, which is usually where you can find these new skills, they're not interested that much in that in this very large traditional firm. So there is really a big a big question here. Um, I think that's going to be the big challenge of the next couple of years because these resources are going to be scarce uh, even more. On our side, I mean, actually, we're recruiting a lot of them, so we're actually able to help our clients do it because we can do it for them. But yeah. uh, of course, the idea is that we can. I would say accelerate the launch of things for our clients, but at some point, you know, they need to do it by themselves. So mm-hmm. this question about how can they attract uh, these new skills and also retain them? Because what we've seen in many companies is that, you know, sometimes even if they put the right amount on the table to attract these profiles, what we see is that if you have some digital new profiles that feel they are a bit alone uh, in a company with very different types of mindset, you know, they don't want to stay because they don't see their future here and they don't feel like they're part of a community of people like them. So I think the key question about, you know, how to strategize a bit this longer term offering for these people, making sure that they can they can find a community where they feel comfortable is really something that that is critical. Absolutely. It's um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do quite a bit of reading in the in, in, in the topic and I think there's, there's not anyone that would argue too much that you need an environment and a community of trust for anything to be able to to mm. be built. Um, if you don't have that, good luck. <laughs> and, and and how companies go about making sure they've got environments and community community feel and that trust at the heart of everything is um is is is, is a is a huge learn I think and a huge thing that people appreciate more than ever now. Um, what one of the things as well that I've sensed a lot and. Um, you know, we are, the average age in our business is just kind of twenty-seven years of age. So we've got a very, very kind of very, very youthful workforce. Now, someone like yourself, Karen, partner, I've been at Boston for seventeen years. Um, I'd be fascinated to hear because everyone does it a little bit differently, don't they? Um, but it's always great to uh, ask the leaders that come on to this show in relation to what developmental methodologies that they've found to be the most successful over the years. Some people, you know, some people use an array of advisors and mentors. Some people read a load. Some people do MBAs and part-time mm. study and official learning. How, what methodologies have you found to be the most beneficial to you in your development as a leader? 
I would say mentorship is really the main thing, uh, meaning that I think throughout my career so far, I always had one or two people uh, more senior who I consider as moles and who taught me a lot. And I'm really convinced that, of course, you can learn a lot through books and a lot through, you know, uh, theory. And I'm absolutely convinced about theory being critical. But I have to say that when you see people behave and when you see them think, you see them take decisions, I think you learn so much more. And then you can choose, by the way, you can decide not to be exactly the same person, not to be to have the same behaviors, but at least I think the learning by doing and the learning by watching is something I'm absolutely convinced about. And honestly, I think it has brought me a lot. Yeah, it's a, a fascinating. And then the thing that jumped into my head when you said that, Karen, is it's having that environment of trust and really empowering people to fail. Because that famous that famous phrase of like smart people don't win or lose, they win or learn. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, it's always stuck with me that. And I'm kind of like, but as you say, nothing, you can do all the studying you want, but nothing will equate to doing something and doing it well and learning or doing it badly and going, wow, we won't do it like that, that, like that again is, is the only real way to, to, to have your, have your best learns, isn't it? So yeah, it's interesting That's that right. you kind of, you found that and the, and the, the mentoring methodologies to be good, which is, which is great. Well, what does great leadership look like to you, Karen? So great leadership is inspiration. So I think it's about, you know, showing the way. Um, and it's about having conviction. And then to me, the implication of leadership is that people want really to follow you, not because they are forced to, not because you're their boss, but just because they want to learn from you because it, exactly for the reasons you just mentioned. Uh, so to me, this is, this is leadership. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, and it, it, everyone's take is a bit different and some really unique insights. So it's one of those questions that I try and ask every time. <laughs> um, and, and like all these things, as I promised, Karen, a nice, easy one to kind of uh, uh, gently wrap things up from the very interesting conversation that it's been today. But has there been a, a, a book, a podcast or a movie that, you've, um, that you could recommend that you've taken some long lasting learns from? So I was thinking about a movie that really, I think, I, I think it's not very famous, but I think it's it's amazingly interesting. It's called Ex Machina. I mean, I won't tell the story now. I don't want to <laughs> spoil it. But basically, um, it's about AI and it's about, you know, machine intelligence and, and so on. And, you know, to your question about robots versus humans, I think that's a that's a very interesting movie to see. And I'm just surprised, by the way, that it's not famous enough, given, honestly, the quality of it. If you think about all these topics and the rationality that you can imagine, you know, it's 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 always the question about do we think that AI will really exist in terms of real intelligence or not? And to what extent a robot or AI can take decision by him or herself or itself at some point? It's really interesting if you have the chance to watch it. All right. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it, but off the basis of that description, Karen, I think I'll definitely be, be giving that a look because it sounds like it would uh, be quite thought-provoking as well, which is always uh, always an interesting right. thing. Karen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey in Leadership Learns with us today. It's certainly got my uh, my, my brain ticking. Um, I'm sure there's lots that have resonated with listeners and likely they'll be taking away some valuable ideas. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please give a five-star rating and share it with others in your network. Thank you for the invitation.